What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bird Flock Podcast. It's just Shaner and I today. It's been a few, uh, it's been a week or so since uh, the two boys hopped on an episode together, so we're fired up to do that. Um, your Montreal Alouettes play a very rare Sunday night game against so the weird. Calgary Stampeders uh, at home at Percival Molson. Shaner and I will be in attendance, but Sunday night game, just weird. Throws me off, man. Like I, I don't know. Like I feel like Sunday games are like afternoon games. Like why is it at seven p.m.? I know. Like throw it at one o'clock. I'm fired up. Yeah. Right. A little fucking hot dog for lunch at Percival Molson, but seven p.m. is just weird. Yeah. Super weird. But uh, the Alouettes are coming off another bye week. Our second bye week in the first six weeks of the season or seven weeks of the season. Yep. Um. So the boys are rested up following a. Week five or six loss to the Toronto Argonauts, where in oh, all honesty, absolute great game, unreal game, unreal game. Um, we we had a obviously a tough stretch of the schedule there where we played um, BC, Winnipeg, and Toronto. We said if we can win two of the three, we'd be happy. We won none of the three, um, but we didn't look bad in any game. I don't think. I think the BC game is the only game where you could say. Holy shit, they they looked bad. Like they they did not look good. They were never in this game. So many mistakes, so many errors. And then the the Winnipeg game, I'll just chalk it up to the weather. Um obviously a lot of mistakes were made again, but um those mostly weather related and they kept it tight the whole game. And then two weeks ago against Toronto, like we said, what an unreal game. Back and forth burner the entire time. The Alouettes showed that they can one hundred percent hang and potentially beat who I think now is the undisputed best team in the CFL uh, mm-hmm. in the Toronto Argonauts. Um, but yeah, let, let's go back to that game. Any thoughts that, or there are things that really stand out from that guy? I know it was a while ago, but. I don't even want to talk about the game right now. I want to talk about the, like the crowd. I, I think that was the most electric and Al's game has been mm-hmm. in years. Yeah. That place was rocking. They had the flashlights out on the phones. Like so the fire. Quarter. It was amazing, man. Like, the way that this team is kind of turned around and, and us being fearful that they, they we're not even going to have a team, like they're going to get shipped out of Montreal. And like to see the crowd rally behind these boys like that yeah. uh, in a big game, uh, I think it was, was it a Friday night? I think it was a Friday night. Yep. Uh, vibes were electric, man. Even, even though they lost that game, like, like you said, just to be in a game against the best team in the CFL yeah, uh, like that, uh, lose by a touchdown late in the game. Uh, I think it gave the fans a lot of hope. Uh, even though they have a losing losing record right now, um, which is crazy to me. Yeah, which is, but like we said, I mean, I think the three teams that they're we kind of we kind of knew going into the season, um, we're going to be tough games. We're we're tough games for the for the boys. Yeah. Um, but talking to you before the game, or and talking to my dad before the game, I just I even said it. I was like, there's something about Montreal Toronto that it's always a good game. It doesn't matter if one of them's in first and one of them's in last, or or they're both fighting for a playoff spot or what it is these two guys have been rivals for so long that it's just always, always something comes up that the game's electric and, and, and it's a close game. Um, one thing I want to talk about is like, I know last time we were on here, I was screaming to run the ball, but I do not understand. You are down by seven with like a minute left on your own 10 yard line. And the first play of the drive you call is a dive to William Stanback. a dive. Like, what are you doing, buddy? 
I know. I know. And I know just like in, in hearing a lot about the state around the stadium, a lot of fans are already questioning what's happening with Jason Moss and what his play calling is. I know. I think we need to give him a little bit more time. It's only been five games into this, this contract and, and what's going on. But to me, that call was just mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, we 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 got texts in the first half, though, to the Bird Flock account, and shout out to you guys who reached out. They said, oh, shit, Jason Moss listens to the Bird Flock podcast because he's running the damn ball. And they did, and they did it effectively in the first half. But, yeah, to come out and do that with, like you said, a minute left, I think, that was after the missed field goal, I think, too. Yeah. They ran it crazy, insane. But I, I am not one of the ones who are calling for Jason Moss's head right now. I think you look at what he's done with Cody and that's not to take anything away from Cody, but Cody has been unbelievable this year, like has surpassed my expectations by a lot. If I'm being completely honest Um, and just what he's done with the offense in general, obviously, yeah, there's going to be, you know, complaints, right? There's going to be, if we ran the ball 20 times, you know, a game for the first four weeks, they probably would have been saying, why aren't we throwing the ball more? Um, so it's just a matter of finding that balance, right? It, it's a it's a very new team, no matter who the coach is, right? The unfamiliar receivers. It's new also team. a new team for him. He doesn't know, you know, it's one thing to say, like, you know, big names in the CFL, but he still doesn't know how to use these big names in the CFL. He doesn't know how to use stand back yet, which I get people are going to be like, oh, just run the ball. Obviously, it's stand back. Yeah. But there's ways to zone blocking and non-zone blocking that are going to get stand back in the best position to break off. 30 30 yard runs let's say mm-hmm. he is in five games with William Stanback he doesn't know how to use Stanback and the O-line properly yet yeah and I think it also shows he doesn't know how to use Walter Fletcher right to the point where he hasn't even been he's been in the lineup once right when we know firsthand how much of a game breaker he can be um and not for nothing I know there's only nine teams in the CFL um and it's normally like you know in the NHL you say, okay, the West is really different than the East. You know, in, in basketball, the West is different than the East. You, you can say the same thing in the CFL too, right? This is Jason Moss's first time coming over to the East and coaching an Eastern Conference team against primarily Eastern Conference opponents. Not to say it's entirely different, um, but it's it's definitely something to, to kind of factor into how he's calling games and things like that too. Mm-hmm. And then one thing that, you know, we, we didn't mention, and it seems like forever ago, but Tyler Sneed scored three touchdowns oh against the Toronto Argonauts. If you haven't seen um, last week, we dropped an interview with Tyler Sneed. First of all, what an awesome dude. What a great guy. Just loves football, loves playing football, loves being in Montreal, loves the opportunity he's been given. Um, and obviously he's pretty fucking good at it too. Excuse my language, but he's, he's pretty damn good at football too. Um, obviously the first two touchdowns were, um, you know, maybe not designed to go to him, right? That first touchdown was, End of the half. I think it was Q and Tyler yeah. Sneed in the back of the end zone. Cody threw it up. Sneed came down with it somehow. He, I think he's like 5'7", came down with it. Cody. I think that was like the funniest text I've gotten all season is my dad texting me. There's like seven guys in the area. He's like, how the hell is the shortest guy on the field? Right? The one out jumping everyone for the ball. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that just shows like, you know, how much he wanted it and, and the opportunity he's given. He's not he's not going to sit there and, and take it for granted. He's going to go and, and fight for that role and Man, three touchdowns in in your first or, or second game is absolutely electric. Yeah, and that second touchdown, by the way, again, not to take anything away from Snead, but that was one of the best plays I've seen from an Al's quarterback in a long time. Cody got out of that sack, which was a sure thing sack, 
rolled out left, found Snead wide open. Um, and then the third play, or the third touchdown, was just one that fucking I love. I think the third I touchdown love. shows how great of an offensive mind Jason Moss is. 100%. No one in the stadium, everyone in the stadium thought, okay, they're going to sneak it, get the first down, keep the drive going. No one in the stadium could have guessed that. And to have a five-seven little skinny receiver playing tight end on that play, yeah. Like I don't think I would like. I don't think many coaches are thinking about that. Yep. Have him sneak out into the flats and just do. Even when he like he he booted Cody, I thought he Cody was just booting. Yeah, that's I it. didn't even see. I didn't even see Snead. Yeah, Snead was backside wide open because he booted Cody left right, and Snead yeah. leaked out. What a I, one of my favorite play calls I've ever seen from. Like an Isles game, that was that was that was great. Came at a perfect time too. You always see these special teams plays or whatever these fakes pulled off at a perfect time. I think that was pulled off at the perfect time. And then had the absolute state rocking for the rest oh. of the game. Oh yeah, even down seven with the ball with one minute left, it was still rocking. Mm-hmm. Like they were behind the boys on that drive, man. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then that led into a bye week, which leads into this week against the Calgary Stampeders. Um, which, by the way, the Calgary Stampeders acquired Jaguar David. Just got ruled that that trade is now not happening because Jaguar didn't pass his physical. Um, so the six-round pick goes back to Calgary. Jaguar goes back to to Hamilton. I don't know if he's going to play. I didn't know he was like. I mean, I know he was a healthy scratch. I think it was the last game. I think there's a lot of going on. He didn't report to training camp. There's a lot going on with that that yeah. whole situation, man. I don't know what's happening with him. But listen, you get him. It's a it's a free shot to the, to the Great Cup. That's it, hundred percent. It's guaranteed. I think it's been what four or five in a row he's been to. It's a guarantee. I think Montreal should take a shot on him. Just fucking <laughs> dash him away on the roster somewhere, and it's your ticket. But um, in, in a lot of CFL power rankings, first of all, I think the CFL, considering the Owls are two and three, have given the Owls a lot of respect. They're still keeping them around that four, five, six range, anywhere in between there. And then seven, eight, nine are pretty clear cut at this point, um, especially with Trevor Harris going down probably for the season. Um, and Hamilton and Edmonton just being peewee football teams. Uh, <laughs> but keeping them in that four, five, six range um, with Ottawa, who Dustin Crum came out of nowhere and is suddenly Jesus. He's suddenly Jesus. Uh, and with Calgary. And I've watched, I think, every Calgary game this year. And, you know, you and I text back and forth about it. I don't think I've been impressed with them once in any outing. I think they've coasted by. I think they've, like the Owls, to, to be fair, they've beaten bad teams. Um, but I think the Owls have looked way better in their losses than Calgary has. And better in their wins. The... I think if you look at it right now, off the top of my head, I think Montreal is that fourth team. I think, I think they're... They're a clear-cut fourth team, and I think it's going to be proven this week playing against Calgary. Yeah. I think Jake Myers' stats look terrific. His passing yards and everything looks great. But I think if you actually watch the games, man, he's he's not – he doesn't – it looks like he's panicking all the time. Yeah. Um, his receivers are making a lot of big plays for him. Um, And then when you go to the Alouettes, it looks like, you know, everything on that offense is kind of rolling smoothly in the past game aside from, from the O-line. But – um, Cody and his receivers seem to be on the same page at uh, almost every every play, and Cody just looks like we said before, fantastic. Um, I, I don't think you could have sat here five games into the year and asked for more from a first your first year quarterback no. in Montreal. Definitely. Um, 
So I think Montreal is that fourth team. The thing with Dustin Crum, bro, is that I think we see this every year in the CFL yep. where a quarterback bursts onto the scenes because he has no tape on him. And then four, five, six weeks into him being a starter, it falls apart. No pun intended, but it just crumbles. <laughs> true. It's true. Like you saw, the Owls have had it a few times. The Owls had it with Antonio Pipkin. The Owls had it with, uh, what's his name? Oh my God. Tanner Marsh, like name, like go down the list, man. It the goes, guy from Marshall. Yeah, uh, Rakeem Cato. Rakeem Cato, yeah. Yeah. Like it like, goes down the list, and once the tape comes on them. Yeah, coaches. The, the guy season. started as the third-string quarterback for a reason, right? Yeah. Not saying that he can't ever be a starting quarterback in the CFL, because yeah. I'm sitting here right now saying Davis Alexander is our third-string quarterback, and I think he's going to be an amazing quarterback. Yeah, It's just he's young in the CFL, Dustin Crum. Yeah, and once teams get more tape on him, it's going to be easier to figure him out. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think, honestly, I think we're kind of seeing that with Jake Mayer now, right? He he had some success last year when with with Bo out, and we're seeing it kind of pay off this year. But it's not really like he looks good. He looks okay, um, but he's not the star that everyone made him out to be, and and you know led Calgary to ship Bo off yeah. um, to Hamilton. I think that relationship might have been speaking done of Bo. But, Bo's back. Yeah, week eight, he's back. He is back. But for, for the Owls matchup against Calgary, what's something that really jumps off the plate to you as, as I guess, a key factor? And if we want to do one offense, one defense, um, or just in general, just your thoughts about the game, and then obviously we'll get into some predictions too. Um, I think I think off the bat, I think it's just the same thing. I think we kind of say all, like every every week. Um, I think the O-line is, is just got to – come in and, and they got to stabilize. Um, Calgary has two guys inside the top 10 and inside the top three uh, in sacks. Both of them have five in Rose and, and uh, uh, Vauders. Uh, two guys that are, are going to tee off against the O-line the way I think they're playing right now. I think that has to be fixed up. They've, they've had two buys now. This is their second buy. I think it's something that had to be figured out. The edges have to be figured out. Um, and, and defensively, I think I think it's pressure on Mayer. I think I don't know how much uh, newly signed. There it is. Guy. I was I was I was finding. I was trying to find a way to loop it in. I want to talk about this. Sean Lemon, baby. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. Um, obviously a pure pass rusher. If if they let him sit there and pin his ears back and let him go, and I don't think he needs to know too much of the defense to be able to do that. So I'm interested to see how much playing time he's going to get. But, um. You know, even opening up for JD if, if he does get a, cu- a couple plays in, uh, letting that D line get in there and and finally, you know, seven sacks in in the five games is not not good enough, obviously, yeah. uh, and that's why the move was made. Uh, so I'm looking here maybe a three four sacks on Jake Meyer, uh, would would be beneficial to to the defense and and really help out um the offense because obviously the more time that Cody has the ball in his hands, I'm taking that against probably the way he's playing this year. Probably every quarterback in the CFO. Yeah. And like, I would think if this was just a typical, oh, the Owls signed Sean Lemon, he'd slot in whatever. I don't think he'd get much playing time, but the Owls had to cut Nick Usher, which breaks my heart. He was one of my favorite Alouettes players for the last little while. Um, Obviously great guy too. I'm sure he'll get picked up in no time. Um, But having to cut him, the owls at the end aren't necessarily super deep. Obviously, you have well, that's not a that's not a backup third string guy they cut. They cut the guy that's starting every game. That's it. 
that they cut the guy who was pay, playing 85% of the snaps at the end. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I said, you have JD who's going to slot in there, play 80% of the snaps. You have Lualuguac who started getting into the rotation. And I thought at first, okay, they cut Usher. First of all, he was an expensive contract. Um, and as much as I love him, he, he wasn't producing up to his contract over the last year and into this year. Um, in terms of sacks and QB pressures and whatnot, um, he, he he could affect the game in different ways, just like JD can. But I thought initially, okay, Uguak's going to come in and he's going to be that second guy. They must love what they see from him. Obviously, he's been playing well, had a block punt, had a, a few TFLs. Um, so I thought, okay. And then what was it? Two, three hours later, we get the news that Sean Lemon signed. Um, I could see it being kind of like how they do it on the D tackle side. Like you have Mondo, you have, um, you have Mustafa Johnson and you have um, Israel Antwin who just are basically a three man rotation. I can kind of see them doing the same thing at end um, this week, especially already. Cause if you look at, I'm trying to look at the roster, there's Sean Lemon, who's right now, it says he's on the practice squad. Um, but other than that, there's no DNs on the roster. Really? If I, on the six game injured list, there's, Brock Goenlock, who is back to practicing this year, he might sneak in and actually play in this game. Um, but other than that, like, if I look, there's Jamal Davis, Lualuguac. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So, like, I don't see how he doesn't play a lot this week. If he, I don't even know if he plays, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, how long has it been now? A couple days. Listen, he signed Sunday. He signed Sunday. Coming off a bye week, I think a week to prepare. <laughs> a lot of players prepare on less time than that. So that and playing at the end, like it's not like you have an yeah. overly crazy amount of stuff to. Especially a guy that's been in the West for the majority of his career, he knows Calgary. What Calgary's doing? He uh, played in Calgary for a long time. For a long time, so that, he that knows that offense. Yeah, you know, it's a system. It's a. It's a. Offense, I think he's comfortable playing against. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to get plenty of plays. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to start. I don't think he's going to start. I think Ugoak's probably going to get the start. There's also Avery Ellis, too, who I forgot. Who's rocking the beautiful number 23 as at the end. Wild. Crazy. I think think Sean Lemon rocking that that newly – Newly sealed number zero is is going to get plenty of playing time. I don't and, like that, uh, my my number one free agent in uh, in this offseason. Yeah, is so it. let's go back to that. You had Siante, you had Justin Lawrence, you and had Jamal Roll. Obviously, Jamal Roll. We're counting it. <laughs> who was the Who was the fifth? I had. Uh, hold on, I just had it pulled up because I wanted to see where I had him on the list. I had well, I guess it's Sean Lemon now. Yeah, Siante, Jamal Roll, at Greg Ellingson. Yeah. I had Justin Lawrence. That's nuts. <laughs> Wasn't this the top five? I had I had Cody Fajardo. I had six of ten guys. That's crazy. Who are the other four? I had Kamar Jordan, who I don't even think is signed right now. Oh. I had Kenny Lawler. That's not going to happen. Darnell Sankey, who's obviously <laughs> not happening. Nope. And Ja'Gary Davis. Could happen. Yeah, it's 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 available. It happened, but um, so we're we're now like one third of the way through the CFL season, we'll call it, um, and we'll do this again when we reach like the halfway point, and then obviously at the end of the year. Um, but I just want to put out a quick little feeler here of your 
offensive player of the year so far, if the season ended today for the Alouettes, your defensive player of the year so far for the Alouettes, your most improved, we'll call it, and then your biggest surprise. I'm gonna, so let's start we'll, we'll do, offensive player of the year. Yeah, we'll do one one here. Um, I think this might be a surprise a little bit. Mm-hmm. I literally just changed it as you were talking, to be honest. Okay. But I'm going to go out and I'm going to say Cody Fajardo is my offensive player of the year. I think it was close. Obviously, I like I said, I just changed it. Yeah. Uh, just I don't think this offense is doing what it's doing without him. Yeah. I don't. Um, so I'm going to go with him. Uh, just the plays he's making. You know, he's under pressure a lot. We've talked about it. Just the plays he's making to get out of the pocket and scramble. And whether it's even just to get rid of the ball or it's to tuck the ball for a one, two-yard gain, it's pretty impressive to watch. And, and like we said, that touch, that second touchdown to Snead was one of the best plays I've seen from a Montreal Alouettes quarterback. Yeah. Since maybe prime VA, yeah. which was, what, 2019? Even before that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go right off the board. You can make the argument he's the best receiver in the CFL right now. Austin Mack. <laughs> like, funny. I would love – like, Cody is definitely right up there with him as someone I'm I'm thrilled with, but – like we saw week one, we're like, oh, okay, cool. Like he can he can play in the CFL. Like he'll be a great third or fourth option when Tyson and, and Greg come back. And then week two, it's like, oh shit, he did it again. And then now we're here and it's like, oh, he's he is our number one option for the rest of the year. And hopefully next year and the year after and the year after and the year after. Like he's he's the guy. He yeah. is the guy. I and like I'm excited to watch him with Bill Pot, man. I think that two-headed monster is going to be lethal in the CFL, man. Which, which, by the way, Greg Ellingson, Tyson Philpott, and Brock Golenlock all return to practice this week. About to be scary hours. I think <laughs> if they have Philpott and Ellingson, they win that game against Toronto, man. I'm going to say it. Have to. Have to. I'm going to say it. That. I'm going to say it. And imagine they had Siante. I'm going to say it, man. Imagine they had Siante. No, that was wild. That was so weird. We're sitting there watching pregame warmups. Yeah. We're like, where's Siante? We for like 10 minutes we were trying to figure out where Siante And then we see Cordell Rogers come yeah. out when everyone else is in the locker room rolling up, like warming up and we're like, oh, Siante's not playing. Cordell Rogers is playing. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball now. Your defensive player of the year for the Montreal Alouettes. My boy. My dog. The man himself. New position. And he's leading the team in tackles, and he's all over the field. He's covering running backs. He's covering receivers. Najee Murray. Love it. Love it. I'm going similar similar theming all over the field, making plays. I'm going with the hometown kid, Marc-Antoine Decois. Oh, baby. Love it. I Dude, I like – I don't know what it is about him, bro. He's just like – he's everywhere. He's always in the play. Always. always. And he, There's he's nothing – that fires up the Montreal crowd then more than when that pick. guy makes a play. A Duquois pick. Yeah, First that. of all, should have a pick six on the year. We're not going to talk about that again. <laughs> I had a pick against Toronto, and that's what I love about Duquois. Whenever there's a ball tipped up in the air or something like he's that, got it. Duquois is there somehow. He's got he teleports. It. I don't know what it is. He's just there. He's <laughs> there. But he he's obviously yes. one of the leaders of the defense without a doubt. Um, he's my defensive player of the year so far. So let's jump over now. Let's most, go improved. most improved. I think there's one answer to this. There is one answer, and we're, we're going to say it on three, okay? Well, if we don't have the same answer, this is about to be really awkward. It's going to be really weird, but okay. One, two, three. K on Yeah, okay. Pass me. Pass yeah. me. 
absolutely for him to sit there and be fourth in the league in receiving yards right now with 415 going and being on two buys. Yeah. 415 playing five games. Everyone in front of him. Dalton Shane shown seven games. Nick Dembski, six games. Austin Mack, number two, has also played five games. So two guys in the Montreal Alouettes that have played five games are sitting there with guys that have played two and one more game than them, and they are within 20 yards of both of them. Yeah. So to me, that's insane. Um, Kayon Julian Grant, I don't think we expected this from him at all. Obviously, the depth of receiver injury has obviously opened up a lot for him. But, man, like he's never had a 1,000-yard season in the CFO. But I knew it was possible from Kayon. I just yeah. didn't think it would happen this year. I, but- I wasn't expecting it this year with the Greg Ellingson signing. I could see it in the future. I know Greg Ellingson obviously hasn't played, but I think there's a lot of people in the building right now that might be sitting there saying, we don't even need Greg Ellingson. Not that I won't take him. But- no, not, not that I, I absolutely didn't take him. <laughs> but like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, there's, there's a lot of depth that that receiver position that someone's going to have to go. I will make that. I think Kayon is the guy that a lot of teams are going to be calling on. And if I'm Danny Machocha, I say, thanks for calling. Have a great day. Dunk. You don't give up Canadian talent. You don't give up Canadian talent in the CFL. He looks amazing out there. He's unstoppable. If you want to call him a number two receiver, you can call him that. I think it's a 1A, 1B right now with him and Austin Mack. They're just so explosive with the ball in their hands, both of them. Kayon's just more than Austin Mack, to be honest. And, And just like, I was vouching for a jump ball receiver, but there's some throws that Kayon has just jumped out of the gym to go get, and we do not need a jump ball receiver anymore, man. No, literally not. I'm glad I'm glad we have the uh, the unanimous decision on that one. And then let's go now. Let's go over to the biggest surprise. Uh, no, most improved. Yeah. No, biggest surprise. No, biggest surprise. Biggest surprise. Oh, you get it together, man. Yeah, I know. I'm falling apart. I'll let uh, you know. Listen, I think this one name and one name only. Again. And it's your offensive player of the year. It's awesome, Mac. Yeah. Coming into here, I think I think in the training camp episode, I said, hey, listen, this is a guy that I want to see. I can't wait to watch play. Did I ever think that he would be sitting here as a number two receiver playing two games less than the leading receiver five games into the season? Absolutely not. And I never could have predicted that. Listen, I watched him in, in at Ohio State. He was above average receiver. Wasn't wasn't a guy that I knew was going to blow the defenses away. Yeah. Watched him with the Giants in the NFL. I knew that he wasn't going to be a star in the NFL, obviously. Mm-hmm. Coming here, I was excited. Bigger field. His route running, his explosiveness. I, I, I saw him as probably like a receiver three, four type of guy. Yeah. Was I thinking that I'm going to sit here and have a conversation about this guy being a top five receiver in the CFL five games into his career? Absolutely not. So to me, that's the biggest surprise. And I think it has to be the biggest surprise. Yeah, for the sake of for the sake of diversity in our answers, I'm going to go a different route. But I think that is kind of the unanimous answer. It has to be. Um, but for me, it's it's a guy that joined the Owls midway through last year, and since then has not stopped making plays. And he's become one of my favorite players on defense. That's Mustafa Johnson. Um, he Please comes in and sacks. he is leading the team in sacks. And he's just all over the place. He has a motor that does not stop, whether you're the first play of the game or in triple overtime. This guy has, has a motor that does not stop. Um, and I, I really think he's he's slowly turning into one of the best interior defense alignment in the CFL. Um, and one that I am very happy to have on our team. So for me, that's my biggest surprise this year. 
Um, obviously, Austin Mack, you have to give it to him because it's it's shocking more than anything. Um, I want to throw an honorable mention out to Ento because he stepped in at corner yeah. the last couple of weeks and he's been amazing. Um, there was the the one touchdown. I want to go back to the Toronto game. Yeah, the game winning touchdown that everyone had his head for. But if you watch that play, and I think I told you yeah. that because you didn't even see it. If you watch that play right before the snap, Wesley Sutton is turned to Ento and he's talking to him. So yeah. Ento is not seeing the snap of the ball. He gets burned on that play, but he almost made it back. He almost recovered. After he was blown by by like 10, 15 yards. Yeah. He almost recovered and, and made that made that an incomplete pass. Yeah. So everyone had his head until I explained it to them and they were like, oh. And then if you watch the replay, they saw it. They're like, okay, you're right. Like, yeah, it looked bad, but if you saw what happened pre-snap, you realize it was not his fault. It's a miracle it wasn't worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree. I 100%. I, I think that's a really good honorable mention. Um and again, you can make an honorable mention for Kon too. We we said most improved, but this is honestly a biggest surprise for me too. Um and I will go on the record right now and say it. Montreal when healthy will have a top 2 receiving core in the CFL. I think it's one. It's hard to put them above Dalton Schoen, Kenny Lawler, Nick Dembski. It's it's hard. It's hard. I think depth wise they're there, top three wise, like the top three targets. Yeah, it's debatable. It's, it's yeah, tough to put. But I, I will I will put them in the top two, one hundred percent. When coming into the season, people were saying Montreal might have the worst receiving core in the CFL. No, 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 no. Two guys inside the top four with two get less games played. I'm taking it, man. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, Shannon, that does it for this week's episode of the Bird Flock Pod. I'm fired up for Sunday. Owls by 50. You want to give a, a quick little prediction here? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Owls, Owls by 10. Owls by 10. Do we have a score? 24-14, 27-17. I'm going to go 31-21. Owls. All right. Well, so I got takes off his old team. Ooh, I got Alouettes thirty-three, Toronto twenty-four. Uh, Toronto, we're not playing Toronto. Calgary twenty-four. And that does it, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we'll be at the game, Section J one. Come say what's up to the boys, and uh, go Al's, go baby. We're going three and three back to five hundred this week.